This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Catholic bishops in the United States have decided to draw a line in the sand over President Joe Biden's support for abortion rights. Mr. Biden, who is only the nation's second-ever Catholic president, may not be allowed to take communion after, US, after the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops released a document asserting its opposition to abortion. But a majority of Catholics and a majority of Americans support the right to an abortion. Biden has remained relatively silent on an issue that Republicans have long centered their culture wars on, even as the GOP has unleashed anti-abortion laws at the state level at a pace that is ferocious even by the party's own standards. My guest is Galina Espinoza, president and editor-in-chief of Rewire News Group, where she leads a team of editors and journalists reporting on reproductive and sexual health, rights, and justice. Welcome to the program, Galina. Thank you, Sonali. It's really great to be here. So how important is it for Biden to, you know, just pay lip service to the uh, supporting the right to an abortion, to be an openly pro-choice president? Um, it's by Democratic Party standards, not a radical position to take. Not at all. And he did, in fact, run on a pro-choice platform. So you now have a lot of voters who supported him because of his stated pro-choice affinity wondering, hmm, what's going on here? Because more than 100 days into his term, he has yet to even say the word abortion. Wow. He hasn't even said it? Hmm. Hasn't even said it publicly. He has only used the pro-choice framing, which if you talk to most folks in the movement, they will talk about that as being yet a further stigmatization of abortion. If you can't literally say the word that describes a medical procedure, um, it really um, compounds the shame and stigma um, that so often surrounds abortion and that patients grapple with on a regular basis. So the GOP, as I mentioned, has centered its culture war on the issue of abortion. Lately, they seemed, of course, extremely obsessed by transgender children in particular. But in 2021 alone, how much have they focused on abortion? How far have they gone on restricting the right to an abortion at the state level, which has been their standard tactic for the last uh, many years now? Yes, and you know, at Rewire News Group, because we cover every year when the state legislatures reconvene in January, we are used to the onslaught of anti-abortion legislation that is automatically introduced year in and year out. This year, however, is dramatically different. We are on pace to have the most destructive um, state legislature session when it comes to reproductive rights than we've ever had. Nearly 540 measures introduced so far. This like completely eclipses what we've ever seen. And there's a really good reason for it. It is because the Supreme Court is now solidly conservative. Not only that, under Trump, more than 200 federal judges were appointed, all of whom extremely hostile to reproductive rights. So you now have this incredibly favorable court um, ecosystem that has not existed um, for you know more than a decade. And these legislatures are seizing on this opportunity. They want one of these cases to go all the way up to a Supreme Court that has signaled that they're willing to really kind of look at the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade. We should all be extremely concerned about what, just how much is at stake here. So here's this massive onslaught, more ferocious than normal. 
with a president in place who has who said he's pro-choice, uh, pro-abortion, and Biden has remained relatively silent. During his uh, speech to the joint session of Congress last week, he, he, I mean, you said he hasn't even said the word abortion in his first 100 days. So I, I'm ashamed to say I wasn't actually paying enough, close enough attention to that issue. Uh, and so he didn't even bring it up then. No, he didn't. Um, you know, it, it's really what's really upsetting about all of this is that, you know, again, you have a president who's claimed to be running on a pro-choice platform who, as you pointed out, you know, follows in the long line of Democratic presidents who typically do take steps to um, reverse previous rollbacks under more conservative administrations, who um, who certainly take actions to expand reproductive rights when they are in office. And we have seen very little of that so far. He has done a couple of things. He rescinded the global gag rule um, a couple of months ago, but as someone uh, who we interviewed recently um, pointed out to us, most democratic presidents do that on day one. And in fact, reproductive rights leaders will tell you they were nervous when on day one, President Biden did not rescind the global gag rule. That's one of those rules that, you know, every presidency, when there's a change in party affiliation, it kind of, it's like a football that gets tossed back and forth. And typically on day one, it's, it's addressed. But President Biden did not address it on day one. He has since addressed it. But it does seem to signal less urgency um, on his behalf, which again feels out of step with what we are seeing happening at the state legislative um, level, which is an unprecedented um, rush toward trying to um, en enact as many restrictions on abortion as possible. In some cases, effectively enacting bans, um, you know, things like the six week abortion um, bans that we're seeing in places like Oklahoma. I mean, most women don't know that they're pregnant at uh, at six weeks. It's very, very early on. So that effectively rules out abortion uh, for anyone who does not realize they're pregnant by the six week mark. So it's really um, concerning that with all of this urgency um, happening around the issue at the state level that the president has not weighed in and he has weighed in on issues like um, all of the terrible um, bills that are attacking trans youth. He has weighed in on all the terrible voter suppression laws that um, state legislatures are, are taking up. And I think the feeling among reproductive rights advocates is, you know, why is he not doing the same when it comes to this issue set? Is he walking or trying to walk a fine line here, uh, thinking that just expressing support for the right to an abortion is enough, considering the pressure he now faces from Catholic bishops who uh, in the Conference of Bishops released a statement and it's possible that Biden may not be able to take communion I, uh, the next time he goes to, to church of being a Catholic. Is, that, is it possible that that's the pressure that he's facing? Well, he has talked very openly about being uh, a man of faith. And we all know that his Catholicism is a key part of who he is and how he governs. So certainly that has to be something that's giving him pause. All of that said, as someone recently pointed out to us at Rewire News Group, there's nothing that says you can't say the word abortion. So um, there's nothing incompatible with being a Catholic and just saying the word abortion. So I do think there's something um, deeper at play here. And I think that he you know, is not prioritizing this issue. He does, in his defense, have a lot of really pressing issues on his plate. Um, but the reality is when you have basic freedoms that are being eroded at a record pace, it really is incumbent upon 
the president to um, to speak out, to use, as um, Alexis McGill Johnson from Plant Parenthood told us, to use his bully pulpit um, to, to, to call attention to this issue. I mean, I think what's really scary is that so many of these bills that are being introduced are being introduced without the public even being aware. You know, they're being slipped in. Um, there isn't a lot of local news coverage necessarily. It's They're getting lost. And yet the ramifications are incredibly damaging. So with the important, uh, you know, issues at stake here, what would you like to see President Joe Biden to, you know, what would you like to see him do? Because the attacks are taking place at the state level. As you mentioned, the Supreme Court is tilted right. We have Amy Coney Barrett, a very young, uh, very conservative anti-abortion justice. Mm -hmm. There is the issue of Justice Stephen Breyer and his retirement um yes. coming up well he it's not coming up and that's part of the problem he has decided or he has not decided coming up yeah, yeah he, he, he has refused to announce his retirement many people hearken back to what happened with Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she had the chance to retire during a democratic presidency chose not to and then of course passed away during a Republican presidency and only to be replaced by Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, that could happen in a future Republican presidency if Stephen Breyer hangs on as well, right? Yes, for sure. Um, you know, and there is certainly a lot of discussion and I'm sure a lot of pressure on, on Justice Breyer to consider retirement. Um, that said, even if he were to retire and Biden was to fill that seat, that only holds the seat. It does not change. Just holds the line where we are um, now, which is a, exactly, right. a, which is a solidly conservative court majority that has signaled it's incredibly hostile to reproductive rights. So it's kind of not really gaining us anything. It's just, <laughs> it's really just helping um, the court not retreat any further on this issue um, than it already has. Um, so I think there's, you know, but I do think that that is nonetheless important. You know, there's also a lot of um, conversation about expanding the number of court seats, what folks have referred to as packing the courts, but what we at Rewire News Group like to call unpacking the courts because the courts were in fact already packed. They were packed by Trump and McConnell, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, who worked um, you know, through rain, sleet and snow to ensure that more than 200 federal judges were appointed um, during the Trump administration. And so there is certainly a, a lot of conversation underway as to what um, remedies Biden has available to, to sort of um, keep the court system more in balance. I think there's also, you know, a lot of interesting conversation happening around things like the Women's Health Protection Act, which would codify um, certain reproductive freedoms into federal law and therefore not make um, make um, abortion rights so dependent on what's happening at the state and so variable at the state level. I mean, we literally have 50 different approaches in this country to abortion care and access, um, which I think you'd be hard pressed to find many other issues that fall into that category. This does no one any, any favors, um, most especially the patients who are seeking this service. What about increasing the size of the Supreme Court itself? It's something that Biden has said that he's open to, and that certainly would, you know, have the potential of uh, having fewer, you know, more more than just a handful of judges make the decision for so many millions of of people. Um, it would also take out the issue of whether or not Stephen Breyer should retire, depending upon how large the Supreme Court could become beyond its current size of nine justices, right? 
Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, if you think there's going to be a skirmish, a skirmish over the infrastructure bill, I can't even imagine what the conversations around expanding the court would be. I think that, you know, it is certainly a viable conversation and I think it's healthy to be having that discussion. I don't think it's, you know, a, a case where we should be counting on that happening because I think that probably has a really long way to go. When again, there are things that there are steps that the president could take to um, to codify things at the federal level, to repeal some of the harmful amendments like the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits Medicaid funds from being used to pay for abortions, which disproportionately impacts low income um, and underserved communities. Um, things like repealing the Helms Amendment, um, which you know bars um, foreign organizations from receiving any U.S. federal health funds if they so much as the word abortion. So I think there are a lot of um, other steps in the meantime that at least would signal that the president firmly supports um, abortion access and health care. Um, and yet we haven't seen that yet. So I think there's, you know, folks are trying to be patient, but I think this is also now an issue we have been fighting over for almost 50 years. When you think about Roe v. Wade, that decision came down in, you know, 1973. So it really feels like, you know, the time for patience and, to con and the time of con continuously having to re-legislate this same issue, it feels very wasteful from a taxpayer perspective. It seems um, very detrimental from a, a um, societal and cultural perspective. And it seems especially self-destructive when you consider that 70% of Americans believe that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. So, you know, why are we still arguing over something that, you know, nearly 70% of Americans believe in? Um, there are many other issues where there's far more disagreement. And of course, the Republicans do not back down from these fights. They go at it relentlessly, aggressively. That's because they, of course, seem to not have many other policy proposals on issues that matter. You know, we waited four years for some magical health care plan that never uh, delivered. And, uh, and and it's the these culture wars that they fight that uh, gets them the political power they seek and they fight, fight, fight. But of course, the access to abortion, are it's a life and death issue for millions of people. And it, uh, it, it those lives are at stake. The, the health of those people are at stake. And it's a pity that we don't see our president fighting as hard as he could. Yeah, and it's it's lives at stake, but it's also basic, you know, human freedom and human rights to decide when, if, and how you want to have a family and raise those children or not raise those children. I mean, these are incredibly, you want to talk about personal autonomy, you want to talk about individual freedom. I can't think of anything more personal or individual than the right to decide whether or not you are going to, to bring a child into the world. And yet, this seems to be the one issue of personal freedom um, that re Republicans are very heavy handed about. You know, we've right. we've heard so much about uh, so much invocation of this idea of personal freedoms and individual rights, you know, around COVID-19 and mask wearing. And do I get a vaccine or do I not get a vaccine? And, you know, Republicans seem to think that, well, that's very much an issue of, you know, what people are comfortable with. And, you know, I think reproductive rights advocates would certainly like to see that same level of respect um, applied to folks who are truly making um, decisions that could upend their entire lives. 
I want to thank you so much, Kalina, for joining us today. Give out a website for Rewire News Group. Yes, rewirenewsgroup.com. Please check us out and can follow us on Twitter at Rewire News Group as well. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll post a link to that from our website as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sonali. I really appreciated the chance to speak with you. My guest has been Galina Espinoza, president and editor-in-chief of Rewire News Group, where she leads a team of editors and journalists reporting on reproductive and sexual health rights and justice. We've been discussing President Biden and abortion rights. I'm Sonali Kolhatka. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify.